0: Today on the Hope Fellowship podcast, I'm very happy to have with me Reverend Alfred Hall, pastor of Philadelphia Missionary Baptist Church in Oxford, Mississippi. Philadelphia was founded in 1865, which we know is the same year that the Civil War officially ended. The Emancipation Proclamation had taken effect a couple of years earlier and black people throughout the South began opening their lives to new possibilities. Many black churches were started around that time, both as an expression of freedom of their spiritual worship and a way to help black people prepare themselves for new opportunities. These churches were not just places of worship, but they became education centers. Uh, These churches educated black people spiritually, academically, and teaching them to embrace who they were in God and casting an abundant vision of what they could accomplish individually and as a people. It's that tradition that the most empowering black churches still embrace today, operating within the community to help it grow holistically into all that God has called it to be. Philadelphia has embarked on such a journey of empowerment in particular in relation to its stewardship over its finances and what that could mean not only for the church, but for the broader community. When I briefly heard their story a couple of things immediately came to mind. Having been in churches that were able to uh, burn mortgages and take monies to do other things with, I was struck by what Philadelphia had decided to do. And then as I thought about a couple of different time periods, 2008 when many black churches were struggling and banks were calling mortgages and uh, they weren't in those kinds of positions. But also over the past year, as COVID has put many churches under financial pressure and because of the inability to safely meet in person, even when the bills continued, the offerings may have been down, uh, as giving sometimes will go down during the periods where people are not physically attending worship service. And the second thing that hit me was the economy may have had generally had some negative effect on overall income of people and church members are no exception to that. And so it created more need for assistance from all charitable organizations, including churches. In that context, what Philadelphia is positioned to do and has a heart and mind to do is important. It is truly God's work that they are committed to doing. So let me pause there and just say I'm pleased to welcome Pastor Alfred Hall to the Hope Fellowship podcast to tell the story and hopefully inspire others to begin to cast their own vision of possibilities for financial empowerment because of what it can do not only within the church, but also within the communities they serve. Pastor Hall, welcome.
1: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: And I just am so thankful when I, again, when I heard the story about what you all were doing, I immediately said, I, I want to talk to those people. And uh, in particular, the pastor who has had this vision and certainly in a leadership role, casting the vision, getting church buy-in, all of that is is extremely important. So I thought we might just start with explaining what you've done and how you got to where you are now in terms of looking at taking your finances, doing things that are both teaching as well as investing in the congregation and in the community.
1: Well again, thank you very much Reverend Glenn for the opportunity to come and share and discuss um, this, this new area of service. Yeah, um one may even describe it as service learning because we're learning as we're going through this process as well in an effort to to serve the Lord's people, people uh, even differently. Um, I really appreciate the history, the historical context that you shared about our church. And, and because that's the, I think the greatest footnote that, that our primary congregation is a, a service oriented congregation. Yes. Um, Oxford, Mississippi is, is a one university town. Yes. Um, where everything revolves around the University of Mississippi or Ole Miss. The, the, our, our founders, our founding members back in 1865 that were able, uh, as the slaves were freed, they were able to acquire land. Yes. And, and that land that they they were they purchased, they designated uh, about four acres um, for uh, our church to exist. Anyone who may be familiar with the missionary Baptist church concept knows that there and typically there's there's a white church that sort of sponsors the the new black congregation. Yeah. And so we grew out of a Philadelphia Baptist church, which is not near but but in the vicinity. And, and that's how our church got its name. But, but we still have descendants of our founding fathers. I'm still uh, members of our congregation today. And, and the pleasure and honor that I have to serve with them, they are, when you think about a university town, our membership, not the faculty members uh, at the university. They, they are the custodians. They're yes. the ones who are cooking and cleaning in the sorority homes. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the ones who are cleaning up hotels and things of that nature. And they are truly the salt of the earth. Yes. But but our church has has so much love. And that's one of the things that we're trying to do is earning our name. Philadelphia is a place of brotherly love. and And that drives us with what we do is to earn that name as a church of brotherly love, not by what we say, but by what we do. Yes. And so combined with that love that our members don't have a lot, but they give what they have, and 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 we were able. The Lord, uh, you know, not any anything that I may have done specifically. The Lord has blessed our church, and we've done it through tithes and offering. Wow. Um, from from first day we've been we've been blessed to serve as pastor there for the past eighteen years now. And we, we speak about everything that we need to do. We will do through tithes and offering. Um, we don't have special, you know, fundraising efforts or things. Uh, occasionally we may have had one here and there over the 18 year period, but yeah. by and large, everything that we do and operate as our church is grown through tithes and offering. And we, we speak to our congregation part of what we teach. If we remain faithful in a tithes and offering and doing what we're supposed to do with honoring the Lord with the first of, with the first of our fruits, he will then make up the difference. Yes. And, and he has not failed us throughout that 18 year period of time. Damn so, um, during, during that period of time, we were able to, to, you, you mentioned about retiring mortgage and debt. Um, yes. we were able to retire the mortgage on our, our, our initial sanctuary that was uh, developed, um, in the late, late nineties. Um, we were able to do that about, um, I guess seven years or so into, into our tenure. And then we needed to build a new education wing. And so we were able to do that and retire the mortgage on that as well. And what we were able to do is that after we retired the mortgages, we we maintained the same level of effort because we didn't know what was going to come next. So the money that we were being that we were paying to on the mortgage, we continued to save. Yes. And we didn't have a particular strategy with saving it, didn't know when we were going to need it. But we were able to just build up our savings and to still be able to maintain all of our church operations to fund all of our ministries. And we were saying we needed to be disciplined with doing that as if we still had another mortgage so that we would always feel what that would be like. And so that in turn of of retiring our mortgage and alleviating all of the debt uh, on our church, continuing to save as if we were still paying a mortgage put us in a situation over a period of time where now we have, you know, for a church of our size, for a church of our history, we have what one may consider some substantial assets. And now we're moving to a point of of how can we allow those assets to now work for us and, and, and not just being, okay, it's great to say that you have X non money saved. You don't have any debt. So you're not paying any mortgage or no liens on any of our church or any of our property. And so it's a beautiful situation to be in, but now we're having to become more strategic um, in terms of, of now, how can we utilize those resources to help, fund other resources or, or to fund other ministries and to ensure that our church is financially protected in perpetuity. That yeah. is our long term goal. So yeah. that, that, so to get to your question then, we established a, a church investment committee. Okay. Where we organized a small group. There, there are eight members on the committee. Four of them are officers and four non officers. We okay. have a balance of of four men four women uh, and and so it, it really brings we have uh, we have a balance of of age representation on our committee and so, some are retirees. Some are, are, are newly worked professionals. Again, and so, and and even uh, we even have a husband and wife team on on the on the committee. Okay. And so, it just I love the diversity that it offers and the perspectives that it brings. So now, as we begin to think through the issues in terms of what we have and to set a goal, and and our first goal at this point is how can we then create an investment portfolio that that still meets the needs of our church. It 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 addresses the concerns that we have of different businesses and corporations that we may be investing in. And then it allows us an opportunity to say, how can we then allow, you know, those assets to grow and develop so that over time they may be able to find other types of, of initiatives and, and ministries um, for our church and congregation. And we were blessed through some referrals to be able to connect with the wonderful team who's given us great insight, has connected us, has connected with us, not just professionally, but also spiritually understand who we are and what we're trying to do. And we're in the process of finalizing that arrangement while we continue to communicate and bring along our church as a whole. So the goal of our committee is to make recommendations that will go to our board. And so our our board of trustees and and our deacon board will meet together and then we'll take those recommendations. And then as a Baptist church, we then will bring it to the full congregation yes. for approval, because yes. there's something of this major. We want to make sure we we've been adequately communicating and bringing other people along. But we will have a presentation that we'll be able to share. Here's where we are here, are the recommendations that we're making. And then we'll be able to move forward and really codify the agreements that we're working on and putting in place
0: okay Uh, one of the things that crossed my mind is you know when churches get to a point like this there are a number of different and and i come from uh, i study finance i have an mba so there are a number of different types of projects that people can look at and choose from to take their money and do things with a number of churches might go and build bigger sanctuaries or you know they might do other things with the money How did you all come to the point where you said, this is the direction we want to go, that we want to actually build, if you will, an endowment that can then be funding not only projects in the future, but our continued uh, church existence?
1: Absolutely. Thank you. So the conversations sort of went, went this way. We had major brainstorming sessions, and this is not something that we just started talking about Right away, when, when we, when we saw our, our assets beginning to grow, we began to talk about what would we do? What, what are our next needs? And yeah, we've discussed building a larger fellowship hall or something of that nature to work with the community, but we've also begun to address there are other needs that are growing in, in our local community, particularly issues relating to affordable housing okay and and an oxford is while it's a, it's a small university town there is a huge gap in terms of what affordable housing and and i use it as an example when when my wife and i first moved to oxford We moved from the Washington DC area. We're natives of Mississippi. We were in Washington DC area for five years and we both end up getting jobs and we started working at the university in Oxford. And in our mind, what we were paying for housing in Washington DC area, we were going to be able to come back to Oxford and think we were going to be able to get a home, you know, twice the size and with all all the trimmings and all of that. We came to Oxford and got sticker shocked. We moved from Ox, we moved from Washington DC to Oxford, Mississippi and got sticker shocked on, on the, the, uh, the, the cost of housing in the area. And, and as I mentioned, the base of our membership who are working, you know, hourly wage employees, We're picking up extra hours doing ball games people love to talk about the grove and you know how great of a tailgating experience that is when that grove is spot clean on sunday morning after a football game it's many of our members that are out there cleaning up behind everyone and putting it back in order and so think about the housing opportunities that are available to them and so that has been the emerging theme we talk about yeah we'd be great to do this It'll be great to do, you know, something else. But the affordable housing piece continues to rise, and and we we've become engaged with a local effort around affordable housing. But then the point then became: so what is it that the church can do? What is our role in helping with this other than praying? You know, we always say, well, we can pray, we can pray yes. for this. Yeah. But there are some things that the Lord puts within our reach, the things that we can do as well. So that that conversation is now becoming more and more focused about specific strategies that we can take for affordable housing. But then also knowing the types of assets that we'll need to have, assets we'll need to generate to be able to to support some of those efforts, uh, and and so that's sort of how things began to come together. But that is the key main motivator that, that 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 drives behind it, and to ensure that there is a stream of revenue that as our church begins to involve become engaged in other aspects of ministry, there will be a continuous stream of revenue that will be set up to ensure that either this ministry or others will be supported in perpetuity
0: okay excellent and as i think about what you're doing i mean the kind of knowledge that you're building up the kind of acumen that you're building up certainly is something that i think in terms of your vision what do you see being able to do with that as well not just the financial investments and the growth there and and what you want to do with housing but you're building up this storehouse of knowledge and what what is your vision for that as well.
1: Absolutely. You mentioned your your background being in finance. Um, My my background in in the secular world is in education. And so I've been in K-12 and higher education, you know, um, my my entire career. And so I'm a teacher by nature. And so one of the things that we're learning and part of what's happening is this, is that as we're learning, we're also continuing to teach. We acknowledge that as a church, we haven't been involved in the types of financial investments and things. There's some things, you know, mindsets and things, you know, for a church of our size and where our church is you know, we, we've we been blessed to just keep the lights on, right? Blessed yes. to just be, especially during yes. the pandemic and, you know, for the few salaries we, we do have that we're able to cover, we're blessed to not have to reduce any of that for anyone, regardless of whether we're physically meeting at the church or not. And so that in itself has been a blessing. But even with that, when they talk about through our faithfulness, how the Lord has blessed us, we continue to overflow. And, and so it is now we have to lead by example to help show our membership in our community, how to transition from, from managing debt to building wealth.
0: Yes.
1: And, and so, and, and the types of strategies, the types of habits that you have to develop, the risks that you have to take, and, and even in some case develop a new mindset where some people yes. saying, you know, look, if you can just take $25 and put this aside, See what this will grow into if you do that faithfully. You know, every month for for five years, if you will. And there's some who may say, "Well, I don't have that time. I I can't afford to do it." We're having to shift that mindset and show them the numbers and say, "Well, you really can't afford not to do it." Yeah. And and so and it's and it's starting with that step. So. Our church leading the way with that, with us speaking, us teaching, with having some of the educational sessions. That's one of the things we've asked of our our, our potential partners is, in addition to just sharing us, you know, our, our portfolio management, and how that's performing, but also to say we would love to still continue to share strategies with our congregation, and and offer training and sessions and things that we can do is. In person, as well as virtually now, I mean, we've learned to be able to access and do so much now over Zoom
0: uh, and
1: what have you, a platform that people can still connect and and grow and develop and and offer programs where people can start. And, and, And I think one of the things even when our partners mentioned an opportunity of even getting our youth engaged and that really excited our committee. Of saying, you know, as this goes, as we get things settled, we can see setting aside um, a separate fund that some of the youth of our church get a chance to monitor and manage. Yeah. And for them to, to, to study, for them to go, for them to see how it grows. So as they transition, say, from, from high school into college and then into the workforce, they can see, Hey, here's some habits that you need to have. You've seen now how it works and you've helped to bless the church. And we'd love to be able to do that with growth of saying that may be able to fund scholarships. Yes. So the youth in, in, in way are, are coming up with strategies and habits that can support themselves with scholarships. But support the church, but then also gain valuable knowledge um, and and discipline regarding you know moving from debt to wealth management.
0: Yes, and even those basic money management skills, particularly for our young people, many of them go off to college and get into debt, right? And uh, I've, I'm actually working with a college planning program that helps families think about college where's the best place to go for the the skills and and the gifts that the student has but do it in such a way that it doesn't create this debt burden on the family or on the 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 child themselves and and
1: that takes that takes you know a shift in mindset and and when you have you know and and especially when you have say uh, you know a, a young man young woman who's come up in poverty and, you know, and, and struggle to, to do, struggle to keep the lights on. Um, and then when they, they're able to, you know, to make it through, go off to school, there, there's, a, there's a desire, you know, when, when I'm getting out of my own, I'm going to make sure I have this. I'm going to have the best apartment. I'm going to have a, a nice vehicle. Yeah. I'm going to be able to, to, to take care of myself, you know, to travel, to go see and do all those kind of things. And, and, and then so they find themselves either two things. One, it, it's, it's learning to defer those dreams. Until they get through the college experience. So many of them, they're 18, 19, and they're out on their own. They want it now. And so they're trying to take classes because we're working with them on. It's more than just being in college. Students will say, I want to go to college. Yeah, but you got to have a purpose of of what happens after college. You got to have a plan that college is a, a means to an end to get you where you really need to be to fully maximize your guy giving potential and abilities. So it's, it's moving more than just going to college. Yes. It's going to college with a plan that you execute. And so when you have that plan of finishing college, you have to defer some of those those wants and and it's not necessarily needs it's a lot of wants we have some students that are working 30 to 40 hours a week still taking classes and they're struggling academically they're getting used to the little money that they're making and when when the rubber meets the road and they have to make a very difficult decision many of them will defer the college experience to just continue to earn the income and then then the debt continues to pile and build up and they find themselves now in a whole new cycle right A, a cycle of poverty So, so it, it's, it's helping them to learn to sacrifice, to defer those dreams right away. And, and when we talk about investing to see college or post-secondary experience as an investment in their future as well to change their earning potential and helping them to see it that way. And if you can just sacrifice four more years, right? To, to do that, the situation that you'll be in later would, would be far greater than, than you're trying to manage everything as a, you know, 19, 20, 21 year old already saddled with debt that, that will keep you in that hole or potentially for the rest of their lives.
0: Yes. And, and the, the other piece to that is uh, we have a generation of kids coming out of colleges that have done all of that, but they're saddled with so much debt that they're struggling for years to get out of the debt. I, I've talked with uh, people who have PhDs who have told me I'll be paying the student loan off the rest of my life. And so and we we have to help our kids get to a point where that's not the. the and, and
1: how to teach them, because the, I think part of the piece is, is, yeah, while while tuition is expensive. If you were getting loans to cover your tuition and your fees, that's one thing. But where many of our, our young people fall into the trap is they end up getting additional loans for more than what they need. So sure. it's, they're not just paying. They're not just paying that money. For because of they, their tuition was that great, they're paying that money back over that period of time because they got additional loan amounts to pay a car note, additional loan amounts to, to to not only pay rent or not to not to get the meal plan at the university, but to eat out every night, uh, you know, and they're they're using that 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 particular types of funding structure to support a lifestyle while they're still in college yes. that ultimately saddles them with that debt. While there will be some debt, that debt can be minimized, again, if there's a discipline and if there's good advising. Yes. Uh, and so w- what we find, either the students who get the loans either have get poor advising, they don't have the discipline and they overtake or, or oversaddle themselves with the loans, or they grow up with so much fear because on the other end we have some members in our community that have heard of the stories about loans and they're so afraid of taking out any loan that now they're going to work two or three jobs in in college to try to support themselves to earn their tuition and to to kind of manage because they didn't want to have the loan so they're 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 hit it from both ends right yeah. and, and in it's, it's terms of there's not an easy answer to this but the more we can raise awareness of where the pitfalls are the more we can help set sights on on the types of decisions you have to make. and the commitment you have to make to to sacrifice, to go without some of those things doing that four-year experience in college, which is what it should be, then you're able to then start to enjoy some of those things later um, when you you move beyond that time.
0: Sure. Excellent. I love the direction that you're taking in terms of looking at how you can help educate congregation, how you can help educate community around finance and, and thinking about money. When I think about other churches and what they might be able to glean from some of the things that you're doing at Philadelphia. One of the things that comes to mind is leading a congregation to even get to this point in being able to think about this and casting that vision. As you talked about your process developing this committee that reports to your various ministry boards and then going to the congregation, what kinds of things do you think are important for other churches to think about, other leaders to think about in terms of casting that vision and helping to move that process along? Well, uh, thank you.
1: What, when I reflect upon sort of how we've gotten here, again, this has been several years in the making. What has helped us has been, I think the Lord has blessed us with a vision and a clear focus of getting what you need. And, and we had to come down on so many of things that we wanted. So, and I, I I use an example. Our sanctuary was built prior in, you know, again, it's at the mid to late nineties before I became a member and congregation of the church. And we're about maybe still in, in my, tenure, we were saddled with that, that, that mortgage. But no one was really inquiring about it. As long as the church was paying, them, it was fine. There was no issues. And, you know, the, the mortgage company, the bank wasn't calling us. So everything yeah. was fine yeah. until we started asking, okay, how much do we still owe on this mortgage? How much, you know, how, how much is still there? And so, we started doing that and and we, we got information and then we made the commitment. You know, look, here's how we've been blessed with times and offering. What if we were able to now double up on some of these payments and we can make some balloon payments at the end of the year? There was no penalty for prepaying that mortgage. So we were able to still monitor, not overextend ourselves. And we had a commitment to pay off that mortgage in, in a certain period of time. And we did it. We did it, I think, in about half of the time that we had set. And, and so then that freed up additional revenue right or, or or it cut down on the expenses that we were we were paying. But we also recognized, even with the size of the church that we had, we were growing our Sunday school and we were meeting like, you know, Sunday school class was in the kitchen. Sunday school was in like the, you know, the old church building was the new fellowship hall. And we had two or three classes there. And when you tried to have some meetings or things of that nature, people were on top of people. He right. says, wait a minute, we, we need more space. But we tempered the expectation in terms of, yes, is it time to build a new sanctuary? Or is it time to build a new fellowship hall? We cut that down and says, but what do we need? Okay, yeah. we need, classroom space and additional bathrooms that's what we built so instead of purchasing a brand new building we added a wing and and a new set of bathrooms and that kept that kept that particular loan within reason yeah And when we structured to be able to do that, we were able to retire that mortgage in less than five years because we were able to focus, focus and do that. And so as a comparative, we had gone and built a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar facility because because, you know, you start saying, can we pay the note? Yes, we can pay the note. But is that really what we needed right now? So we kept pushing back and saying we know there are things what we want, but what is it that we need? And we sold the congregation. Well, the spirit moved us but we we were able to convince the congregation that what we needed was everyone know knew we needed the classroom space and so we were able to get the support the buy-in and we were able to move forth and the lord blessed it and so on our 150th church anniversary in 2000 I guess that's 2015 15. now yeah mm-hmm. um we were able to retire that mortgage on our, our on our felt on our, our new education wing and that was part of, we had a burning ceremony as part of our 150th anniversary we say we are moving into a new season within our church debt free if we needed to purchase a vehicle for a van we were able to purchase that without any type of loan we needed things to do with our you know air conditioning going out we need a new air conditioning unit we were blessed to be able to do that and so the assets continued to grow but then we shifted now. And so still asking the questions. Yeah, we need a new fellowship hall. We need to enhance our parking lot spaces. Those needs continue to come up. But we've been perhaps maybe overly cautious because we're saying we don't want to be overextended when the real mission comes. Yes. And we get all a clear sense of purpose of really what is the next phase of growth and development for our church and our community. We wanted to be ready to do that. And it seems like this has now been the perfect timing. Yes. In which all this has taken place. So I, I say the one advice again is to to other churches who are thinking about it is truly understanding the difference between your wants and your needs. And when you're able to focus in on those needs, the buy in is easier to get the buy in and support and, and, and to kind of able to move that forward.
0: Yes, it sounds like there's patience in the journey, helping people. Understand kind of a broader vision of what you really want to accomplish versus, you know, what you need and get absolutely
1: great, great, great patience. And and I would say uh, again, and, and while there's great patience, there also has to be a sense of urgency because there were all, you know, because there, there's a line there and we're trying to still find that balance. And I'm not saying that we've always figured that out the right way, but we've been in some cases overly cautious again, because we've had membership who, who, who don't have much, but they give faithfully. And so we we've earned and we want to make sure that we don't take their trust for granted. So we, we we're trying to we we may overthink things a little more than we should. We always try to make sure we count the costs. And, and that has tempered some of the expectations, new churches are being built in our community. And we heard about this and heard about that. Our goal is not to keep up with other churches. Our goal is to support what we need and to take care of what we have. So even with our existing church building now that has gotten a little older, we've been able to replace the carpeting. We've been able to to redo to renovate the ceiling. We've been able to do some of those other things and not have to take loans to do any of those projects we're able to take care of those things and people can see, wow, our church is being spruced up. We believe it. We just take care of what we have. Right. Yeah. The Lord will continue to bless that. And, and when it's time, when our needs change, we'll be able to address some of those things differently.
0: Well, excellent. Uh, as we're kind of coming to a close, we're talking about some of those key takeaways, those lessons. As you think about speaking to other churches or other pastors, what should they do? do what should they think about in advance as they begin to build this vision even before going to others your board and then how should they position kind of the conversations some of the, maybe some tips along those lines
1: sure i'm i'm a firm believer in prayer and communication yeah. um I mean that's not to oversimplify things, but in this work ultimately that's what it comes down to for yes. those of us servants of the Lord that 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 really is It's so it's, it's' it's being in prayer, going into prayer, maintaining the proper relationship with the Lord sincerely so that you know as the vision emerges, it, it becomes more clear the closer we are to him, the more clear the vision becomes. so it's maintaining our relationship to hear him and to have that vision develop clearly. but then, There's also a need to communicate that vision, how it's communicated, to whom it's communicated. How do you get the buy in with a few key individuals first to float an idea, to test it out, to get the feedback before you start to make it more and more public. So it's great to have a vision and going to run out and tell everybody, hey, this is what the Lord says we need to do. There still has to be some patience, I think, with that and to develop the appropriate relationships and and getting support in line so when it's time to communicate you've thought through the questions you've thought through the other aspects of what could take this the wrong direction ultimately for me if we're following the spirit if we're all following the spirit of the lord he will lead us in the same direction and as long as we're sure that we're being led by his spirit we may come at this from many different perspectives or viewpoints But if we're following that same spirit, we'll all be moving in the same direction. And that's ultimately what I want for for any of us. Uh,
0: Just um, are there any resources that you've used that you've seen that you think might be helpful to people, either books or individuals or anything that you think people could maybe take and get some additional perspective and build plans? So
1: so years ago, we we started with a series. We had a, a pastor who taught in the National Baptist uh, Convention uh, within the Congress of Christian Education. And he was referred to us and he came and led us in a session of managing how to manage your money using the word. And it's about uh, it's a Bible study about debt, debt and personal finances. Uh, it's from Larry Burkett. OK. And that was again it, it that started a conversation for us and so we dedicated time and effort and just saying here's something that we're working on we went through a period where we were we had a, one of our members the Lord gives us what we need we have one of our members who works in the financial um, industry works for one of the mortgage loan companies in the area and we gave time during our worship service um, in which she would give just a brief workshop we may give five or ten minutes during service in which she was able to just kind of give. Here's some tips. Here's some strategies for saving. Here's different types of insurances you need to think about. Here's ways that you can plan for growth and development in your finances, and that has been a great help for us. So that started to set the stage and foundation on which we we can build.
0: Excellent. And as I close out, if there is any other thing, you know, sometimes I don't ask the right questions or I don't think of something, but but it may be something on your heart and on your mind. So I always like to give an opportunity for any closing comments or remarks or thoughts that you might have.
1: Well, one, thank you for this time. Um, Appreciate the the connection from Mr. Peterson that that got us together. It's great to see. Uh, a brother in the bond sharing and, and working yes. in the ministry in, in many different ways. And when people immediately don't know, they think a lot of things about, you know, fraternities and sororities and a lot That's of right. things we do, don't know the service oriented work that drives and the Christian-based work in the Christian base work. in Which many of our organizations are engaged. So it's, it always does my heart good to see that and it's a pleasure meeting you. I would say the, the one final thing is, is still, is prayer and communication. Okay. If we stay focused on that, if we pray and, not praying selfishly, but praying sincerely with an open heart and mind, truly asking the Lord to lead us to grow. We talk about growing to become the church that God created us to be. And when we're all in prayer with that and we see how the Lord has blessed us, then when we take these steps and we take these risks and we move into area, you know, I think one thing the pandemic has taught us, there's many different aspects of church that yes. um, you know, we we've been able to force our way out of. Yes. And while that has been tremendously disruptive, I think it's been a great benefit to our overall work in the ministry. Yes. Um, we we've been able to focus and harness our gifts and talents to using technology that's available to reach people that we never would have reached, and it's, it's forcing us to think differently about the role of the church post-pandemic. Yes. And 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 so all of this in terms of becoming more meaningful, more impactful, more than just what happens within the brick and mortar walls. But the real work of the church is what we do beyond um, the, the building that, that we, we come together to worship in once or twice a week.
0: That's right. Well, let me just say thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate the vision and what you all are doing at Philadelphia. I just pray that God would continue to bless you that the vision continues to grow and the impact continues to grow and that God would bring every resource that would be needed at the time it's needed to accomplish his purpose. So hey, thank you so much and, and God bless you for being here with me tonight.
1: Thank, thank you and we continue to work to give God the glory and, and everything for it all is possible because of him. Thank Amen. you very much
0: for that. Thank you.